soul an undiscovered creature Climbing on the mountainside Welcome to Saturday night's main event. It is October 3rd, 1987 in the Legacy Series. A few days ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot say. The mystic was in a deep meditative space when WWF, the Legacy Series, came to mind. And two words appeared as if on a coin. The words enormity and oddity. And I thought, these are not coming intellectually. Let me make sure I even know what they mean. So I got to looking up these words. And it turns out the word enormity is one that is sometimes used against its proper definition. Some people uh, confuse enormity with enormous. They think it means extreme and huge and all these things. But what the proper definition is, is great or extreme scale seriousness or extent of something perceived as bad or morally wrong but i will say to the definition people out there words are made to be used and expanded and for the sake of trying to talk about a product in a time that is so huge that we cannot quite get our arms around it i'll take both definitions already miss van has told you that there are overwhelmingly powerful auras in this series we've talked about the space element being the fifth element is it not of this planet is it not of this world we haven't yet dared to go fully where we're going to have to go because folks like hulk hogan and randy savage and ultimate warrior and andre and they're gonna push us further into these places that wcw never forced us to go the word oddity means the quality of being strange. When you put all these words together and you talk about 80s WWF and what we're trying to encounter, you get something like this. Something strange, almost beyond comprehension, usually containing multiple foreboding moral threats taking place on a great or extreme scale. If you thought we were done at WrestleMania 3, if you thought this world was not going to enlarge itself, definitions enlarge themselves, experiences enlarge themselves, my friend, you are wrong. How is it that we have rolled over Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, the biggest feud in wrestling history at this time, and we have managed to contain it and continue it and still... We are taking Randy Savage, the heel, turning him face, elevating him, elevating him to the same stage as Hulk Hogan. If you thought it was over at WrestleMania 3, my friends, these are not the folks who booked 30 years later. This is the 80s, and it's not stopping. It's growing. It's expanding. Next week, we hit a place where these characters who by themselves are larger than life are going to team up in five-on-five five encounters. Are you kidding me? How do you contain this stuff? We're moving to a WrestleMania 4 where there is no world champion. If the morals were already lawless enough, Hulk Hogan is going to not be the champion. There's going to be a tournament. The thing is going to be wide open. If you thought it was over at WrestleMania 3, my friend, you are mistaken. 
WWF in the 80s is something like a stove that if you owned it, you would never use it because 30 years later, after you turn it off, it's still hot to the touch. When does it cool down? It feels like if you put your hand on it, it's going to burn something away that you're not quite ever going to get back. That's what we're dealing with, and my friend, in this show, Saturday night's main event, we're going to see the beginning of one of the greatest, if not the greatest, storyline in WWF history with the coming together of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. It's October 3rd. It will at least take us to April 2nd, 89. It will take us at least a year and a half for it to play out, but I will argue that everything you will ever need to know about it for the next 18 months all played out in the first episode when these two came together. Welcome. I am the mystic, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Miz Fan, The Brain. Greetings, Miz Fan fans. Welcome indeed back to WWF, the Legacy Series. We're talking about that circus gone wild with the colors and the clowns and the artists and everything that makes up the 80s of the WWF, the late 80s in particular. I, uh, that metaphor is particularly apt, the stove that won't stop. Being hot after so many years, oh my gosh, I love it. I can totally feel it. That is the uh, Lord Stephen Regal to my Earl of Eaton who gave you that. Huh, I'm glad to be back. It is October 3rd. It is Saturday night's main event. We got a big show to talk about today. Absolutely, my friend. This is this is uh, stuff that, as I said, is expansive. I am excited for Survivor Series, the very the very first Survivor Series. I'm excited for this show today. Um, the stove, and I will get into this maybe around WrestleMania four, but there there is something about that fire element. There's there's too much of it going <laughs> on, and they're not going to stop. It's going to get worse. If anything, the opening of this show was an advisory. If you can't handle this. You know, we want to have you here, but you might want to back off the call. If we can't handle it, we might want to back off the call because the one thing that's not going to change is what's happening in this product. It's only going to grow more intense. We have, we will, before this show is over, create uh, another planet so that Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage can <laughs> reign together. So that is what we are dealing with in this episode. Absolutely so. And uh, to harness that heat we're soon going to see royal rumbles we're going to see summer yes. slams where every tagline will be about the heat this is an era that's hard to contain it's got so much going on it's so strange because i've said this on the show before the element i'm most afraid of that i stay away from is the fire element and i thought oh my god when i get to steve austin we're gonna have to do the fire element but it turns out in any era where there is excess and growth and it's both amazing and scary, and it enlarges, and it burns everything down. Guess who's at play? It's that culprit. It's that fire element. And think about our job is to get our hands, our arms around something to bring it to the audience. How do you get your arms around a fire element? I, I do not know. I would not want to put my arms around a fire element, I don't no. think. Um, 
I don't know. You must have said at some point. But tell me, Avatar, what element is Hulk Hogan? That's what I was thinking about this morning because whatever he is, and I don't think I'm ready to say because I haven't put much thought into it, he often in this era and sometimes others, like he portrays that fire element quite a bit. Mm. So this is, when I look at his face, one thing the 80s reminds me is this is baby Hulk Hogan. Like no matter what, this this man's never going to look young, but he was young. Mm. Um, you know, you can you can play it a lot of ways. Maybe Hulk Hogan himself, there's some earth element. Like he is the first great businessman who you know is going to get the best of everyone everywhere he goes. Mm. Um, he portrays like if you're a Hulkamaniac, you was I, I don't think he's Sky Element, but if you're uh, if you were a Hulkamaniac, I think he would have said back then he was Sky Element because oh he's idealistic, train say your prayers, take your vitamins, but you know come on it's 2020, <laughs> so he's not getting that on this show. Uh I don't know. It's hard to say, but I will say that in the 80s, what he portrays a lot of the time is the fire element. And in his behavior in the ring, you know, he's a cheater. He, he comes from the school of babyface that you accidentally poke my eye. I'm going I'm to knock your head off with a chair and we'll call it even. Mm. So we'll see. I want to keep that one on the table, but I think we're going to see with that there's some fire in him and that when you put him next to Randy Savage... You know, it's uh, the thing I keep thinking about is Randy Savage is about six feet one inches, I would think. Mm-hmm. And Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan are the few that's going to follow up Andre the Giant. There's not going to be a seven foot four man involved. And how do you make that up in this era? And a lot of that has to be fire. That's a good point. And um, he's a bit of an enigma. I didn't know how you were going to answer that, because if you look across his career, there are are elements of fire but a lot of elements of water as well because he is very yes. fluid and he adapts to his yes. situation and he flows past uh, defeats and obstacles very easily so there's there's a mystery around the element of Hulk Hogan I think I was going to say I didn't say it and you said it and you're so smart to say it that <laughs> there is this kind of mix of earth and water where he is like really sharp but he portrays himself. Oh, look, look, we're all bending together. We're all changing shape and you're changing shape and it's going to hurt you. I'm changing shape. and It's going to help me, but we're all doing it together. You know, <laughs> so there's that. There's definitely water. I think in some ways it's water disguised as space. Like, oh, brother, you know, back in the 80s, we're doing it because it's God's will. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hard for it to be God's will to promote me and demote you. But, you know, we got to do it. And then later on, it's uh just, you know, what's good for business. But he is. uh he is so adaptable and they disguise it like he will he will try to get to Hulkamania Hulkamania twice in this episode one one with Randy Savage immediately saying that Hulkamania is the most powerful force in this universe just to make sure like even right before I shake your hand let me make sure we know what is primary and what is secondary and that is that's some earth and it's some water because you know, after that, he will, like I said, he will create a whole nother planet for Randy Savage. But let's make sure you understand that is a secondary planet and that this is the primary planet. We've already said the fifth element is uh, space. Yes. But uh, if Hulk Hogan could make a fifth element, uh, I believe it would be the divine element and he would claim it all for himself. Yes. Uh, that's definitely what he is putting out there into the universe. <laughs> It is, and that's why I've left space open, because I didn't realize they were going to say these things. We're already talking about multiple planets. Sometimes it takes on a spiritual element. You know, it is something that 
is going to be called upon for good and evil throughout this era, probably throughout some other eras. Um, the Attitude Era, of course, is kind of the era that is supposed to move us away from some of that. But right now we're in this era where, you know, you're going to legit watch two men who both could be the top babyface have to establish that there, there, there needs to be multiple planets for their the power, the madness, and the mania. If you don't know what the hell's going on and you just turn on this interview and just listen to these men, like, what in the world are they talking about? But... The reason it works in this era is they kind of embody it and it's kind of happening and it's hard to argue that they're not expanding the universe in the ways that they claim. It's true. It's true. If, if you just turned on that interview and you didn't know what was going on, you'd probably suspect cocaine use and you'd be right. And yet, <laughs> and yet, they are big enough to uh, almost back up the outlandish yeah. claims they're making. So you have to give them credit. Yes. Thank you for joining us, folks. This is, you know, if you've been with us for a long time, you understand that the series is not going to be like any other series you listen to, even if it's on the same show. We are trying our best to go where it goes. If you're joining us for the first time, yeah, we're talking about whatever it was that we were just talking about, and we will keep on talking about things like that because it is that kind of era. It's an era that's going to give us uh, Honky Tonk Man, Randy Savage, Heenan and Bundy, uh, Fuji, uh, who else? <laughs> we got Roman Reigns' father eating a live chicken. Oh, so, we do that. Yeah. I did not know. Okay, I don't know Roman Reigns' history, so Sika is Roman Reigns' father, he and is. Hulk Hogan, of course, is going to be on it because he always is. Okay, that is that is interesting enough. Props to Randy. Uh, prop, I won't say this often. And I was, I think one episode I will uh, low-key, Bell, take a shot at Roman, not Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns booking. But props to Roman Reigns to evolve uh, the family line and how it's booked in that short of order. And that's kind of impressive. Uh, it is, which is both a joke, like, haha, he eat chickens like his dad. But also, yeah, I mean, it shows you, certainly, that uh, some things have progressed a lot because yeah, you're not... Uh, a savage eating a live chicken on TV anymore. You can just be a human instead of a weird animal. So um, definitely something that doesn't age quite as well as some of this other stuff. Oh, that he scares me. He scares me more than many characters because yeah, uh, there it is, like on there. Uh, Roman Reigns though, yes, he progressed it and good for that. But did you have to be so boring about it? <laughs> Okay, let's get into it. Honky Tonk Man, I left it on pause for a long time because Honky Tonk Man was the first one up, and I didn't really want to hear what he had to say, but then I hit play because that's our job. Uh, he's going to shake, rattle, and roll and steal your woman, and in case you're keeping up, uh, if Honky Tonk Man says he's going to steal Elizabeth, that is a dastardly, hillish thing to do. If George Steele does it, it is endearing. <laughs> that's uh, that's a great point. Um you can steal the woman as long as you're not annoying, is what I'm yeah. getting from this. So, all right, cool, good to know. This, this is the era, again, where you can do anything you want as long as you're on the side. Uh, there's a line, and if you stand on one side of it, you can do anything you want, and if you stand on the other, you can't do anything at all. Yeah, uh, we talked yeah. about it's not good versus evil, it's likable no. versus not likable, uh, yeah. and that's subjective in and of itself. So if you're a likable person, God has empowered you to do anything, anything yeah. in the world that you want to do. And that the pro, your approximation to Hulk Hogan also kind of depends on it. <laughs> well, I mentioned God, so it's yeah. pretty much the same. 
Absolutely. Freak out, freak out, freak out. Randy Savage is in babyface form, and he is here to take the Intercontinental title tonight from the Honky Tonk Man. He is. We also have Bobby Keenan talking about Paul Orndorff, a man he has an extreme love-hate relationship with. He is on the hate side now because he has been fired for the second time on live television by Paul Orndorff for trying to bring in Rick Rude and put him ahead of Paul Orndorff and the Bobby Heenan family. Heenan says, ah, you're nothing without me. I even gave you your nickname, Mr. Wonderful. We got King Kong Bundy there, too. It was nice to see him having something to do. Absolutely. We'll have an iconic image later with Bundy, uh, Fuji and Sika. He's a savage, and he'll eat anything tonight. He is challenging the WWF champion, the man who will end this little uh, rapid fire promo to start, Mr. Hulk Hogan. Indeed, he invites Sika to eat all the chicken he wants, and and they will he battle. Said, <laughs> he says you won't be able to take a bite out of the twenty four inch python. <laughs> no, that was ever anyone's intention. But let's see how many times tonight we can work in the fact that you have twenty four inch pythons, brother. Hey, that's that's all part of the brands. You gotta <laughs> yeah. get it out there, like you like you've said in the past. In this era, if you've got something and you hit that thing over and over and over again, and one of Hulk Hogan's things is, by God, he has big arms, so he must yeah. be a good man. Must be a good man. That, as logic would have it. <laughs> uh, yes. This Vince McMahon and Bobby Heenan on the call as if they heard the challenge that has been laid out in the Legacy Series concerning Jesse Ventura and Bobby Heenan. We now move tonight to Vince McMahon and Bobby Heenan. Yeah, we were just uh, chatting about this some on uh, LPForums.com. Come join that conversation. And uh, talking about how uh, of the, the pairings that we would see in this era of the Big Four, um, that being Monsoon, Ventura, Heenan, and Vince, probably see Heenan and Vince the least, uh, but there's something very interesting about that pairing that uh, I really like, so we're going to get a taste of it tonight. Yes, absolutely. Vincent Mann says, you know what all three title matches tonight have in common? You don't manage any of the champions. And he then snaps on him for that. He tells he's got a big surprise for everybody. You're going to find out what it is later tonight. Yes, absolutely, and that big surprise will uh, coincide with the iconic image that we get to see later tonight that I had never even imagined seeing. And there it was so much on this Saturday night's main event, honky tonk man talking to us again, saying, I'm going to steal his woman. She likes the way I walk. And then Randy Savage and Elizabeth were both wearing outfits that sparkle that if you look at it wrong, you can't see the screen. And that is one more thing. It's not good or evil, but the closer you get the proximity to Hulk Hogan, your outfits, by God, they start to sparkle and shine. How's that for cleansing? Uh, cleansing indeed. Savage has been in the danger zone. Yes. He tells us he's been south of Mars and north of hell. Yes. Already on those planets and those universes that we will learn about later. I love that so much because we have an amazing audience. Again, go to LOPforums.com and join the conversation. But if someone joined this episode and they're like, what in the world are they talking about? Why are they talking about it for so long? I came to hear about wrestling. We're not the ones who said, uh, I come from, I am, uh, the place I come from, the danger zone is south of Mars and north of hell. <laughs> How would you have us 
handle that dialogue, folks. This is what we're dealing with. And if you think it's just some kind of conversational piece and the characters don't believe it, go watch a Randy Savage promo. Oh, yeah. He he believes that if he looks up, he'll see Mars. and he looks down, he'll see hell. I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. And he more often looks down, I would surmise. <laughs> hey, that's how you drop the elbow. Right on hey. to Satan himself. So It is, and that's why you're so paranoid. Imagine looking down and understanding south as hell. And this is the world that we have an Elvis impersonator taking on a man who claims to be, uh, be uh, north of hell. Like it, it's interesting to, to call. There was just several times in the show that I thought, man, if you ever thought WWF was about pro wrestling, uh, they never misled you in the Vince McMahon Jr. era. So <laughs> that's very true. It's interesting. It must have been very strange, I think, to have been in the NWA, somebody with power in the NWA, and to look at your wrestling and to be like. This is wrestling. Like, this couldn't be any more wrestling. And then you look over here at the WWF and all this, like, insane stuff happening. And then you look and they're winning and you're not. And it kind of explains to me why NWA is going to panic a little bit and try to emulate the WWF for a long time um, in many different ways. So... And it never quite happened, so I, I don't know. It's got to be the right time and place or the right people or something, but I just think it's interesting to put your mind in that perspective. It is. I, I think part of the reason Vince McMahon won so cleanly and so easily is that even when he took off to the moon with this era and this product, a lot of people thought, we know what pro wrestling is, because we know what it's always been, and this is a flash in the pan, and people, it's new and it's shiny, but it's going to wear off and go away. Mm-hmm. And that's just not what was going to happen. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of these things that it still bothers me to this day, because we have so many independent wrestling companies now, and yet we act like everything has to be uniform. We have to do it all the same across uh promotions Mm. and you didn't have to do that then and you don't have to do that now and i really wish we all would just take a mentality that there's some products that might not be for me but there might be some that are and uh again i'll throw in one more scripture there's a weird passage in the bible where the disciples get mad at uh, they're like these other people are doing miracles or doing something and they're not doing it in your name and and jesus is like kind of like let them be let them do their thing mind your own business you know, and if, if that can happen somewhere tucked away in a scripture, maybe we could do that with pro wrestling and maybe it'd be OK if there's a promotion doing something that doesn't interest me. And I can be happy if I can find one that does something that does interest me. And it's just a wild idea. Amen. There's a certain um, I like independent wrestling a lot, but there is a certain homogenousness. And I hope I said that right um, between a lot of different companies, which is why I greatly appreciate something like Chikara or NWA yeah. or Rest in Peace Lucha Underground that yeah, did yeah. want to be different and did stand out in a way that uh, always attracted me. Yeah, it's, it's the best case scenario because I don't know what would have happened if maybe Crockett Cup or Crockett Cup Crockett and others were like, you know what, this is very different, but it's getting more eyes on wrestling business. Maybe that's good for everybody instead of 
All right, so let's see who can get our gun first and find the other folks in the bathroom and kill them. You know, <laughs> that's definitely two different ways to handle it. And now we're going to get we are moving into the place where uh, WWF is going to start counter programming uh, the NWA. The NWA is going to start putting shows on the same day as uh, WWF shows. Uh, I think Sting is already going to benefit, even though he doesn't very much exist at this time. He is going to benefit in a way because he is going to be in some ways the answer to this because he has colorful face paint yeah yeah and his breakout moment will come i think the same night as wrestlemania 4 and yeah. that's part of that counter programming and if i remember right vince has already told um promoters i can't remember if it's wrestlemania 3 or 4 but at some point he's like well all you pay-per-view promoters you can't have wrestlemania if you're airing starcade um so yeah if you want to talk about a live and let live mentality, then definitely the WWF and Vince McMahon are not thinking in that mentality. And no. Survivor Series is going to be on, I think, at the same time as another yeah, show. Yeah, it will be right up against Starcade, I believe. They will force Starcade yeah. off of their original uh, Thanksgiving weekend slot forever. They will push them to December through sheer force of will. That's, it's an amazing time, and it's unfortunate. It's part of the world that existed then and existed now. But I assure you, it's it's okay. This is we're gonna jump off off topic for just a second. But there's two things that has been happening for the entirety of the elite that I don't know which one it is. So did the elite kind of go off and form AEW and a little bit low key shut out the world a bit, and Marty's girl just decided not to be with them. And now he's working a little bit with Nick Aldis in the NWA while he builds Ring of Honor. Or are we seeing an expansion eventually where we're going to see kind of the elite positioned in a bunch of other promotions and they're all and it's all really going to be part of the same kind of world, at least loosely. Hmm. Like, are we going to see Ring of Honor, NWA and AEW all really not only working together, but controlled at least in part by one group of friends and one friend by extension you know i really don't know uh and it makes me wonder you know in the time of the click when we saw yeah. you know sean michaels on top over here the outsiders on top over here maybe people asking the same questions and uh it's not exactly the same but uh, if you want to talk about one group of friends having tons of political sway uh, across the wrestling world and you know you talk about you know um, Adam Cole, who I, I'm not particularly mm. fond of, but he's over in NXT and he's supposedly a favorite of management. So there's influence really, uh, even in places you might not think of, but yeah, this same group, uh, has connections in a lot of different places. So there, there's something to it. Yeah. I really don't know if, if like the independent these are segregating again, because it was that kind of great coming together at all in, or if there's a stroke of masterful, movement where this little group is going to take over the entire non-WWE world. And because I think Marty Skrull just recently came out and said that something about Ring of Honor. He could see Ring of Honor and AEW working together. There's nothing to stop that. Uh, Nick Aldis several times has talked about wanting to see that third uh, Rhodes Aldis matchup. Mm. So I don't really know what's going on, but it is interesting. I have just been writing <clears throat> where I made the comparison between the elite and the click and uh, the DX and the NWO used to do like hand gestures to the camera back and forth to each other uh, across Nitro and Raw. So, you know, it, once in a while you get these groups who are super creative and then they become super powerful and, you know, they wield it in all kinds of ways. You know, a lot of times 
for their self-preservation, but also in ways that, you know, opened up with some incredible matches and feuds. So I don't know where we're going, but man, this wrestling world, it is moving again. And the one thing you can, you can bet we're not going to learn from the past at all. So <laughs> yeah, it's very true. I mean, we're at a, a different time, a unique time and, uh, the elite is not the click. You know, there's some similarities, but some big differences too. So I don't know. We're, we're going to have to pay close attention to that as we go forward. Yeah. So we'll drop back to 87, but just connecting those worlds a little bit for you. Um, Honky Tonk Man, again, I, I mentioned briefly, I believe Honky Tonk Man was meant to lose the belt, uh, but someone told him something to the effect of, you know, this is the show that can launch your career probably in ways like all of the world is on you for this show and you don't need to lose tonight. Uh, he, he, he alluded, uh, to Vince McMahon, I believe on the phone that he had offers he could go somewhere else if Vince McMahon wanted to try to make him lose the belt and they could go to Memphis and take it from him. And so, Instead, we get the match that we get, which is Randy Savage versus Honky Tonk Man in a matchup where Honky Tonk Man will eventually uh, retain the belt. But we got a lot to cover, and this is a monumental moment in the story of WWF. It very much is. Uh, I've heard that story as well, and I'm never sure how much I should believe it uh, because I just – how do you Honky Tonk Man – Get that kind of stroke. Like, we will see in, in later years, Ultimate Warrior, just a few years later, will try to strong-arm Vince for some paydays that he thinks he deserves. Yeah. And he'll be thrown out the door. And Ultimate Warrior, uh, you know, I, I'm not a fan, but he, he's got to be worth a 100 <laughs> yeah. honky-tonk mans. So, <laughs> you know, think, uh, it's very strange. <laughs> I think Bruce Pritchard claims it's true. I've listened a few times. It's been a while since I, I have a, a good memory, but I believe Bruce Pritchard uh, did not argue with uh, the fact that it happened. And I think he said they put someone else on the phone first, not Vince, and then eventually it went up to Vince. And uh, that I may be misspeaking, but I, I believe that's at least what Pritchard as well claims that happened here. Yeah, I mean, enough people have said it, I think, that I don't necessarily disbelieve it. I just find it exceedingly strange. I, I don't too. know. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. And I don't know, you alluded to this last episode, I think, I don't know how it fits into the timeline because yeah. clearly Randy Savage is the baby face. And uh, did they not intend to make him world champion? Were they going to keep it on Hulk Hogan? And that seems like it would have been a missed opportunity. Were they going to do it in some other way? Uh, you know, it's just, it's it's not really clear. So I'm not sure That's what, what happened yeah. there. Yeah. I feel like in the same show, Bruce Pritchard alluded to around October, November, they already knew where they were going with Savage. So it doesn't make any sense. And, who knows? Maybe they weren't really that married to it. Who, you know, I don't know. And yeah, Honky Tonk Man somehow getting away with it, maybe. But once he loses his belt, which will be late, you know, once he, I don't know. He'll, he'll be never, gone quickly, yeah. They'll, they'll try him briefly on commentary, and then he'll, we won't see him again until he shows up randomly in some Royal Rumbles, and that's about it. So He, he is, in my humble opinion, one of the worst fixtures of this era. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't really enjoy watching honky tonk man and i know there are those out there that do and more power to you but yeah. yeah he doesn't he does very little for me i said in my notes if you like him for his like character or even his matches like I, it's not something I, that I can say oh man i can't see that at all but he's just very boring to me he makes everyone worse in the ring mm. like, he's so just i don't know yeah, he's slow if you want, like almost every heel 
can do like the cowardly stooging in this yeah. era. It's like a staple. And I feel there's like 30 people who not only do it better, but then when they're not doing that, they're much better at the things they are doing. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what honky tonk man has exactly that appeals over almost anyone else in this era. Yeah. I don't either, but he had a run like at one time, I think the longest reigning intercontinental champion. Sure. Yeah. Know, Still maybe. Yeah. They probably. Yeah took it from him on a whim but yeah he's right up there for sure and and this match he, he does his little double axe handle once in a while he he plods along he straight as a board all the time and just i don't get him uh, i think savage still it's a it's a thing where did they have a good match together i don't really think so but i think savage did good <laughs> like oh this is a <laughs> savage moment and it's a savage things are happening oh we're in a honky moment and honky things things are happening Honky things are happening. Know. Yep, I like it. Yeah, the match is all right, and it's really, as you say, it's one side's Honky Tonk Man, he's not doing very much. The other side's Savage, and he's doing a lot. So yeah. that's that's how I see it as well. There's a double axe handle spot, uh, this exchange, where the first time uh, Savage goes to the floor to attack Jimmy Hart because Jimmy Hart is encroaching upon Elizabeth, and Savage is hit with a double axe handle from behind. Another time, Honky Tonk Man leaves the ring because he is alluding to the fact that there's a relationship with Liz, and Randy Savage hits him with a double axe handle from behind. So similar spots uh, happening uh, at different times in the match. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I've got to say, I was particularly a fan of Heenan's commentary here because Elizabeth could not move, could not scratch her nose without Heenan making a very convincing case that it was some secret symbol to support the Hongi Tong Man, yes. and I found that hilarious. Absolutely, and that's that simplicity that I talked about, where they pick a storyline. Hongi Tong Man said twice that you know uh, she was watching him and wanted to be with him, and you just drill down, drill down, drill down. And that's what <laughs> Bobby Heenan did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say this because I wrote this down just because it stands alone, but we'll come back to it later in another match. So at one point, Randy Savage is in the corner choking the Honky Tonk Man, and Vince McMahon says, great choke hold by Savage. <laughs> so, number one, the absurdity and everything we say about that line and what it represents. But just hold on to that comment for a little while, and we'll come back to it later in the show. All right. I will hold on to that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's beautiful. Oh, Vince. <laughs> and then, okay, so here, one more thing for our... For our WCW listeners, we get Bobby Heenan exposing babyface privilege. Vincent Mann says, um, it would be a shame if the referee DQ'd Randy Savage. And Bobby Heenan says, you say it'd be a shame. A shame for who? <laughs> An acknowledgement that there are there are actually two people in this matchup. And, you know, like two wheels and two two narratives, not one. Yep, again, if you're on the, the babyface side and the babyface cult, then everything is to your favor. And if you're not, then anything bad that happens to you is well-deserved. Yes. Illustrated. So this again. matchup just goes on and on like that. Uh, Jimmy Hart gets knocked out at one point. Um, I, like, I like the way that groups work together during this time. So mm-hmm. Jimmy Hart getting knocked out means the Hart Foundation are going to get involved because they're kind of everybody in this together. So... The match is starting to get more chaotic as Jimmy Hart has to leave, but the Hart Foundation joins the ringside. Yeah, and I really like how managers 
kind of go up and down with their success. Right now, like, Jimmy Hart is super successful. He's got Intercontinental Champion. He's got the Tag Team Champions. I think he might even have the Women's Tag Team Champions already. We'll see them eventually. Not very much, but they're around. So, Jimmy Hart holding almost every title in the company right now, uh, besides the world title. So... Uh, I appreciate you can really tell groups and factions and managers kind of go up and they go down uh, and it's their whole group that's affected. It's not all separated out. You know, they are working together. They are having similar successes or similar failures. And there's something I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I like that, too, is it represents that kind of real like real time motion, because if you looked at this from afar, you would think. Oh, Bobby Heenan's group always had to be doing better than Jimmy Hart's, mm. but that's not the case. And it's that same, the same thing that makes Hulkamania so much better, where you see like a bunch of stuff happen to him that you're like, that's not supposed to happen to Hulk Hogan, but it did back then. And it's the same thing with this. Yes, Heenan is iconic in a way that Jimmy Hart is not, but his group was not always dominant over Jimmy Hart's group. Absolutely so. It's almost like a different seasons. Uh, yes. a, a sport, you know, different teams are more more or less successful, and yes. a lot of times that's down to the way they're being managed at that time. And there's an element of that that I think is very underrated. Yeah, and there's, a, there's an underlying tension because I think Vince McMahon is continually trying to sow seeds of uh, <laughs> frustration between Jimmy Hart and Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan, better maybe than some baby faces, doesn't really take the bait. Like he'll make some claims about himself once in a while, but he does not go after Jimmy Hart. Because I think there might be a little more loyalty on that side of the line than the other. <laughs> There's some great bits. I don't know if we'll hear them or not, but uh, especially on um, weekly TV on Wrestling Challenge, Gorilla Monsoon was very good at turning uh, Heenan against uh, others, and he'll nice. he'll say anything. He'll be like, "Oh, do you know Jimmy Hart said this thing about you, yeah. such and such, uh, insulting thing?" And Bobby Heenan <laughs> will say, "Why that pipsqueak?" And Monsoon yeah. will say, "Oh, a pipsqueak. I'm gonna write that down, and I'm gonna tell Jimmy Hart you said that." And man, he's just stirring. The shit so hard, like he can't be stopped. Uh, that's Gorilla Monsoon for you. I love that. That is Gorilla Monsoon. And that is, again, though, this element, like we are all, no matter what kind of characters we're talking about, we are all people who exist in this universe day in and day out together. And that's the kind of stuff you would get from two people who are working together for so long. <laughs> so it's weird to say that this era embodies some reality that some of the future eras will not with their continuity and their history and just the lived together experience between them. Absolutely. There's an authenticity to this era that I think is not really talked about because everyone's like, Oh, well it's just big colors, characters, cartoons, you know, all of that stuff. But maybe it'll reach that point eventually. But right now it's got one foot in that realm of, I want to say sport, but not exactly. It's, uh, I don't know, it's like one one foot in sport and one foot in show business, I guess. And it's just this, like, wild, uncontrollable mixture. And everybody in it feels like a real person, uh, more or maybe a little less. Uh, I don't know about Honky Tonk Man and that, that type. But mostly, you, you see a lot of genuine personality in here. And uh, it improves the whole feel of the whole thing. It does. And it, it reaches everywhere like the way gene okerland uh not only relates to the wrestlers but also to the commentary booth the way those in the booth uh relate the way that bobby heenan announcer has to relate to bobby heenan manager 
there's just so much, like you said, authenticity and reality embedded in that. And again, it's why Hulk Hogan and the Savage can claim to be from different planets and they rule one and the other rules the other. And you're like, usually I would say not so, but you know what? I, how, who am I to say? I don't really know if that's true or not. Absolutely. I've always thought in wrestling, realism can be valuable, but it's overrated. Authenticity is what you want, something that authentically connects with the audience, whether it's realistic or not, that is always going to be more valuable. <laughs> I am writing that down, sir. I like that a lot. <laughs> Realism versus authenticity. Yes, authenticity um, all day long. I can't remember the quote right now that Nick Aldis said about what pro wrestling should be, but it's kind of what the NWA is trying to embody. And it is uh, that authentic. I think he said authenticity with a dramatic edge. Sure, that's that's ideal for wrestling i think yeah and so you know versus realism which is so straight line narrow in what it can be <laughs> right you couldn't have shooter and stevens in a, a realistic yeah. environment it's too silly but you know what it authentically connects with people and that's the important thing <laughs> yeah you got a man who real quick uh in the nwa he first was trying out this gimmick that i'm an actor and i don't care about wrestling and like i said he was still doing good. I was like, oh, I don't really, you know, whatever. Like, why are you even here then? But then, like, that was almost like the first try at it. And then, like, instead of claiming something, he started to embody something that is this, I am now this, like, karate uh, three, um, this black belt. And it's now like, oh, yeah, you wanted to be a storyteller. And now you're not telling me about it, but you have become one because you're telling me a big fucking lie right now. <laughs> but I think you are, you're acting so well that you believe it. And that to me, that authenticity is like I am now embodying this thing. I'm not telling you that I am this thing. And you watch errors where people embody something consistently versus where they tell you on the microphone, like, I am this thing, you know, and just just feel the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, the moment Vince McMahon is on camera, I know everything that man is about. <laughs> like, what a dirty... Like, he attacked Bobby Heenan before they barely said hello to each other. Yep. But but that's that, that's the Vince McMahon character. So you know what these people embody, you know what they're off. And that's, again, why we have this line that kind of exists for his era. But, like, if everyone's in their authenticity, and there ain't, there's nobody in the world... Who's like, my authenticity is that I am a really bad person and I do bad things and bad things should happen to me. Like, it doesn't matter where you're standing. Like, you see, like, I am the star of this. I am in my authenticity. Good things will happen to me. And the person across the line is like, uh, I just said that those good things would happen to me. And then it becomes a race where anything goes to see who gets there first. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's great. That's perfect. Uh, especially at a time like this with the lights are so bright and yes. uh, you never know you could beat Hulk Hogan tomorrow and then you could be the one you know you could really be the star of the story um, you, you couldn't be in a hotter time and place so that that's got to go right into your heart it does and so basically no matter what everybody wants to shine and you get honky tonk man who is going to keep his Intercontinental title somehow, even though he's facing Randy Savage. Yes, it's by a disqualification. Yes, it's the Hart Foundation running in, causing a disqualification. But at the end of the day, the Honky Tonk Man keeps his belt. And these three are not finished with Randy Savage. Maybe they're paying back the Jimmy Hart thing, but they will hold 
Randy Savage for about five minutes, threatening him with a guitar. Miss Elizabeth will run into the ring and stand in between the guitar shot. And you think it's over right there? Well, it's not because the Honky Tonk Man will shove Elizabeth down. Elizabeth will depart ringside. Bobby Heenan will say maybe she's forsaking Randy Savage. Maybe she's looking for the pink Cadillac. Uh, Randy Savage will ultimately eat that guitar shot. But then Elizabeth will reemerge. And she is with the WWF champion who looks up shocked (laughs) that Randy Savage is being attacked. So I don't know what he thought Elizabeth was dragging him by the arm for. But he realizes it. And he takes off running. He comes in and again, small things. He actually gets beat up when he rolls in the ring at first, which does not fit my um, memory of the entire 1994 to 1996 run. But that happens. But eventually Hulk Hogan battles back. Randy Savage battles back. Hulk Hogan throws a right hand. The guy spins into an atomic drop by Savage. They clear the ring. They back into each other. And these Worlds collide. Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan, Saturday night's main event, October 3rd, 1987. Mm. Yeah, so much going into this. Um, I'll, I'll say in particular, you've talked about iconic imagery. I don't know if this is the iconic moment that you're talking about, but to me, I'll always remember Elizabeth pulling Hogan out of the back, and Hogan, yeah, he's very confused, and it makes you think, like, Savage and Hogan, they didn't really have any connection. They had fought in the past uh, in 85 or 86. I think they had many matches on the house show circuit. They were definitely not friends. Did Liz go looking for Hogan, or did she just grab the first person that she thought maybe would help? Because Hogan doesn't seem to know what's going on, but when he sees the ring and his eyes widen, like that yeah. image is definitely strong in my mind, and it will sit for a long time. And then uh, going in... And as you say, getting beaten up at first, this is exactly the kind of authenticity I'm talking about. Because you're right, cartoon Hulk Hogan of the 90s, of the early 90s, this would never happen. He would go in, beat up everyone, not really need help. Savage would help him anyway, and they would be friends on that. But no, this is a Hogan who actually needed uh, an ally, needed a friend. And that is part of the reason why I think... 80s Hogan works so well and is so much better than 90s Hogan, which is just not nearly as good. My God. My mind, I'm sitting here with my mind blown by the prospect that Elizabeth shoved down, Savage threatened with the guitar, runs to the back, and not planning to get Hulk Hogan, bumps into Hulk Hogan if on accident. That happened, and the next 18 months, as volatile, as memorable, as historical as they are, is based on a desperate Elizabeth bumping into it. Hulk Hogan randomly. My God, what a moment in history and time if that is the case. God. And that's what it, that is so... This is, this is, again, folks, this is these the small details... That once we enter a world where the, where Vince McMahon just openly declares fans don't have memory, so history doesn't matter, you're not going to have this. But it's so small, and it goes a million miles for me to enjoy this. The fact that Hulk Hogan is not coming down because, oh, I'm a babyface, and Savage is turning babyface. Again, I told you that that stuff doesn't really altogether exist 
he's clearly like, what are you pulling me into? And he looks up and like, okay, this is what is before me. And there's fans watching, so I guess I can't sneak away. I got to portray this image. <laughs> and Hulk Hogan is off to the ring. And the fact, again, what I told you, that this is some of the best booking in WWF because they knew where they wanted to go, I think, for WrestleMania 4 and pretty much for WrestleMania 5. Mm. And so you get the fact that Hogan doesn't just randomly run out. Hogan didn't want to help Savage, and Savage didn't ask for Hulk Hogan. Guess who's in the middle and causes it? Miss Elizabeth. And then when they celebrate together, we get this quote. The Hulkster in between the Macho Man and Elizabeth as he holds up both their hands. So whether it be Elizabeth making this happen or Hogan standing in between them, you have everything that you need for the next 18 months embedded in one visual and one action. Mm-hmm. Particularly that uh, standing in between them is yes. uh, very portentous. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, history turns on these uh, little moments, and uh, we've definitely got a little moment becoming a big moment. And I think you're right that they probably knew where they wanted to go uh, with Hogan and Savage one way or another, because if you look at the success they've had, um, the two biggest successes by far, Hogan and Orndorff and Hogan and Andre, and both of those have in common, it was Hogan's friend, who turned on him yes. for one reason or another. So, hey, what if Hogan uh, <laughs> becomes friends with this incredibly volatile guy? Mm-hmm. And and to their credit, like, this is no quickie turnaround. Like you said, this is going to go on for 18 months and actually probably a lot more. So yes. we're going to see a lot between these two, as everybody knows, and the fact that they made them friends first and they really cemented them being together uh, before doing the turn, I think is one reason uh, among many that this will be so successful. Yeah, I will put it like this. Around this time, they knew what they were doing at WrestleMania 4, and at WrestleMania 4, they knew what they want WrestleMania 5 to be. So, sure. you know, you can connect it in two parts or one, but pretty much, you know, if Hulk Hogan's not going over at WrestleMania 4, he's not going to not go over at WrestleMania 5. So the cards have been dealt. And that is. God, I don't know how to explain it in a way that others can appreciate that it wasn't just a end of a pay-per-view, someone's music hits, or I'm coming out because I'm a baby face. Like, Hulk Hogan will almost rub his eyes. Like, he, his eyes will go wide. Okay, this is my new reality. Like, I'm about to interject myself. And Miss Van called it an iconic image, and it absolutely is. Because what he is looking at and what he is about to involve himself in, if you cross that line and you go in that ring and Hulkamania and Macho Madness are put together like this, there's no clean coming back ever from what's about to happen. Mm, Yep. A lot of things change in that one moment. Absolutely. So we have now established, rooted that down. We will hear from them later in the night. But strange as it is, Hulk Hogan has to come right back out and defend his heavyweight championship. So we're going to go back to Gene, um, and he's with Fuji. Um, more chickens are going to be <laughs> not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, a, I don't know what to say about that. Um, Fuji is very pleased that Hogan uh, maybe tired himself out a bit, just fighting with some other people. 
He says he keeps Sika in the torture chamber to train him. And yes, more clips of eating a chicken. And uh, I'm going to submit this as another piece of evidence for my Mr. Fuji is canonically a bad manager uh, theory because oh, why man. what's with all the chicken eating like why how does this help you i don't know it's it's a weird tactic to uh give an advantage he always seems to like i don't know if he likes the opponent um of his the person he's managing any better or any worse than the person he's managing he just seems to want to see like all hell rain down and just I don't know. He he is currently lack, lagging Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart in the success category for sure <laughs> in 1987. So. Indeed, indeed. Gene Erkelin is with Hulk Hogan, who will say for the first time, but not the last time tonight, he is the strongest force in the Hulk Hogan is the strongest force in the universe. He says, "I'm hungrier than you are, man, and this is my jungle." Mean Gene. I bet he's not hungrier for chicken, though. Nah. Okay. Although Bobby. <laughs> Bobby Heenan will say the reason Sika is doing so well is if you look at Hulk Hogan and his hair, and he kind of looks like a chicken, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's great commentary. Oh, it's great commentary. Vincent Heenan, uh, they do very well on this show. I was pleased by uh, their pairing, definitely. This is another one that, at least for the first half of the match, is just not a Hulk Hogan match. Like, it's back and forth. Hulk Hogan will do a big splash Three fourths the quality of Kamala, but outside of his rent, outside of his usual, I'm like, what is going on here? And it was just a little bit of a different time. Uh, usually Hulk Hogan is allowed to do whatever he wants, but he gets the uh, he gets the kind of cane, I think it is. Yeah, from Fuji. And we another he's gonna, referee. He's gonna hit some on. referees with it. Yeah. Yeah. Guy. It takes two referees to get him not to cheat in his world title match. <laughs> what an interesting uh, man Hulk Hogan is. He is out here to get things done. And again, this is why I admire Bobby Heenan, because if you're going to be against Hulk Hogan, if you see him as anything less than someone who will do whatever it takes to maintain, then you've already lost the battle. Mm. He comes in like a determined force, and he believes his own words, whether they be false or really false, and he acts upon them. And if you're half-assing it, you are not going to stop this man that's why he's in a five year or so title reign because he is absolutely bought in and i think bobby heenan might be the only person who is as bought in in an anti-hulk hogan way as hulk hogan is in that pro hulk hogan narrative absolutely i mean he is all in against hogan always has been and always will be and uh it must be kind of maddening for the brain to see hulk hogan who is he gets nothing but praise he gets nothing but uh you know, he's the shining force of good, and he's the role model for everyone. And here he is, threatening referees with a cane, and no one is ever going to call him out on this, and it'll, it will have no consequences for him. And that's got to drive you nuts. Like, you see the guy who's got, like, all the power, he's on top of the world, he's supposed to be the good guy, but he could do all these bad things, or threaten to do them, or actually do them. And it won't matter. He'll still he'll still have everyone on his side. Like that's gonna drive you a little crazy. Yeah. Not only is he threatening referees, there are two refs in the ring because that that's how much force it takes to get the man who doesn't even believe in cheating not to do so. And it is maddening. And then to throw that in there, if you remember the great chokehold call by Vince McMahon um, <laughs> in the middle of this matchup, he will say of uh, Sika, "That's a blatant chokehold," and won't let disqualification to be called. 
So, oh, um, the differences between the chokeholds. One is yeah. blatant. That's okay. <laughs> if one is clear enough that you can call it great while it's happening, it's probably pretty blatant as well. But you know, again, it's not the hold; it's the person doing it. Choice of adjective, very important. Yeah. <laughs> An amazing thing. Um, I'll say I'm glad you shout out. This is a, a different kind of Hulk Hogan match, and um, that's, it's the Hulk Hogan formula. I think is something that really only becomes solidified to the point of that we know it uh, in the 90s, like 1990 maybe. We'll have to watch for it carefully. But this is Hulk Hogan. You know, he's he's kind of more in his element now than he was in 1985, but he's still approaching every match differently. And that's a good thing, even though, honestly, I I didn't really like this match at all, to be be frank. (laughs) I enjoyed it for the first few minutes, and then it fell into something that I was like, okay, this is... I know where we're going now. I've seen that one before, so yeah, that's that's yeah. very fair. Um, I've come out against Sika before, and uh, I'll make it clear I haven't really seen you know teaming with Alpha. I think it's sort of a different thing here in this run. I find him just like he's just doing. He's like eating the chickens, and like in this match, he's not doing that much. He, he spends a long time in this match, just kind of like Hogan's on the ground, and Sika just kind of like grabs his yeah. chest. Or his, yeah. you know, nipple and just like massages it for a long time. And it's just like, it's not even a hold. It doesn't look like anything. And I don't know. It just goes on for a long time. So, um, I didn't really like this match. I'm not really a fan of this run of Sika. Uh, but yes, at least Hogan uh, approached it differently. And yes, there were uh, some good stuff at the very beginning. Yeah. And so Hogan will win this matchup, of course. And the only other note. There's a moment where Bobby Heenan says, believe me, I know all about lousy counts. I was at WrestleMania 3. <laughs> I love the Bobby Heenan talking points. That's a big one. At the start of this match, he says something that he says a lot. He's like, oh, Hogan is tired. He's run himself ragged with his championship defense schedule. This is the time. And he's so convincing every time that you're like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe Hogan uh, is out of gas finally. You know, he's had so many title defenses, so... Uh, I love these Heenan talking points. He, he delivers them so well. Thank you for mentioning that because that was so big when I watched it, but I forgot to mention it. The mm-hmm. fact that Hulk Hogan coming out and using energy and involving himself in something else could mean later that it could hurt him in his matches. Again, a realism and an authentic moment that we start to take for granted later when really there never should be a time that we should because absolutely in all realities that would be true. Absolutely. Mean Gene is with Mr. Wonderful and um, Oliver Humperdinck. Is, is that right? Or... Oliver Humperdinck, a uh, short-lived and fairly useless, in my opinion, babyface manager. Here he is. Okay, so he says the weasel tried to make me take a second seat to someone in the Heenan family. Um, he says he's tired of lying to himself. And Bobby Heenan would sell his own mother's soul. So <laughs> Mr. Wonderful is fired up. He is cleansed and baptized and on the right side of the line. And tonight he's taking on King Kong Bundy in a matchup between two men who deserve a lot better than they end up getting, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably so. But uh, they, they do get their moments. And I'll, I'll just say up front, this is the match I was most excited to see. And it's the match I ended up liking the most. So I'm, I'm very pleased about that. Yes. I love Paul Wonderf. I love his promo here. I... Uh, 
Uh, if this, I hope we get to see more of this Orndorffian and stuff because there's some stuff that I could uh, link that that we could talk about. So yeah. I, I'm hopeful that we get an opportunity that we will make an opportunity to do that. Um, I would uh, for that. Yeah, great stuff. Orndorff says that he was tired of lying to himself. He said Heenan would sell his own mother or his own soul. Mm. I love Paul Orndorff. This guy should be beloved by everyone. I'm sad he's not talked about more. I agree with that 100%. You know who else I love? King Kong Bundy. Yes. I love his beautiful loyalty. Gene Oakland tries to stir up. Bobby Heenan's going to be in announcement. He's not even managing you. And, and Bundy tells him to shut up. He says... It's a big family, a very big family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They stick together. Uh, that's the other nice thing in this area. You, you mentioned it already, the heart's coming out to help uh, Honky Tonk Man. But, yeah, these stables, they're not stables insofar as, like, we think of today. Like, they all have the same theme music, and they all come out together, and they stand in a line in the ring and kind of – like, no. But these groups, like, they mean something to each other. They have these associations, these alliances – uh, within their group, and there's something really compelling about the fact that it's not uniform. It's very rough. It can come and go depending on the night to some extent, but they're always together in some form, and I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's another one, and I, this is starting to emerge in this episode as all those little details go a long way. Oh, yeah. It's not the fabric that you look at that kind of is in the visual, but it is the it's what holds the fabric together. And so it's one reason why for about 20 years, I used to say the reason I don't watch pro wrestling is because pro wrestling pretty much claims to be everything except pro wrestling. So <laughs> if I judge it against that, like the shows that I watch do the little things well and they create a universe that I believe in and the characters are consistent. And so if you want to play in that world and you want my time, then you're going to compete with my favorite TV shows that do that, and I'm going to watch the ones that not only get the big picture right, but they get the small things right. And I do feel like WWE will at times just completely abandon the small things, but not right now. Nope, not in this era. In this era, they're very tuned in to all the small things, and uh, it really does help put it over the top. You're right. I, I personally view wrestling um, not exactly like, but similar to the way I do view other television shows and forms of entertainment. So if you're not doing these things, you know, yeah. maybe I'll still watch. Just go watch anything that's wrestling. But uh, there's a piece of the puzzle that's missing for sure. Yeah, if, if if ever I watch The Office and in season three, oh, well, Jim and um, Dwight never played pranks on each other. They don't dislike each other. That was season two. And people don't remember that anyway. <laughs> Like, that would be a problem. And you might still be doing some cool stuff, but, like, why the hell do I watch this now? Because season four, whatever I'm watching in season three is not going to matter. So, really, if it's not going to matter later for me, I just don't know that it matters. And I like that consistency. And, yes, if a group travels together and by becoming a group, they the minute I become a group with four people, I have now separated myself from everyone else. So, why would I not have that deep loyalty to my group? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I love that comparison. Yeah, if Jim starts a feud with Kevin and never interacts with Dwight again, then yes. what was the point of it all? You know, that's, that's It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And the reason that you love it so much, like when Jim and Dwight will have a kind of like tender moment in season, like say seven, you're like, oh my God, seven seasons they were doing this and now like something made them at least react to each other in a different way. That is rewarding. That's a payoff. 
because yep. it's based on history and continuity, which are not wild ideas. You understood it in the 80s, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we get that very much here. Orndorff and Heenan have been associated since before WrestleMania 1, both as friends and as enemies, and now enemies again, and it's paying off in a big way here. And it's not just... Orndorff and Heenan, King Kong Bundy is involved. We will see. The big surprise is Heenan jumping off from the commentary table, running to the back and returning with Andre the Giant in the world's biggest suit. He is the surprise. So now we've got at least four big personalities, four big characters involved in this match alone, to say nothing of Vince and his uh, offended attitude at commentary that such a thing could happen. Yes, this is the iconic moment I was referring to. Mm, mm. Andre the Giant in a suit, on the outside, standing next to King Kong Bundy, whispering in his ear. These men together make up about a thousand pounds of greatness. They are WrestleMania 2 and WrestleMania 3 main event stars. Mm. And it's beautiful. And when we get to Survivor Series... I haven't watched this in a million, million years, but I looked at Bobby Heenan's team event, and that is one of the most impressive groups of people I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to see some very impressive teams at Survivor Series, but perhaps none more impressive than that one. Yeah, it's so amazing, and it's just something that's not going to get a lot of love, but if you respect the history of the sport and you watch this episode, just take in that moment of Andre the Giant in suit whispering in the air of King Kong Bundy and these two great men who mainly been in two out of three of the first WrestleManias together. It's not going to be celebrated because they're on the wrong line, but it's an impressive moment uh, in this WWF era. For sure, and definitely in a different uh, timeline. Andre could have teamed up with Bundy instead of Haku, and uh, we could have yeah. seen a, a, an even more colossal connection than we will eventually. What do you do with that? Is that, you know, that's, I don't want to go against it. Bobby Heenan says at one point, a family the size of mine and I got to be afraid of this bodybuilder. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. I also love, I, I think on primetime and in other places, whenever Monsoon, people are always getting after Heenan about not having any champions in this time. So Vince mm-hmm. McMahon was just a part of the, the process in that. And one thing I love that he does is a lot of times he will say, he'll come up with all these ideas for ways he could challenge for titles. And sometimes he will just throw random members of his family together as a tag team in his mind and talk about how they're going to win the tag team titles. So there again, that's the connections between these people. That's the different possibilities that are at Heenan's disposal. The family is very big at this time. It's probably at its biggest around this time. So it feels like Keenan's got so many resources that he can pull on, and it just adds yet another layer to an already great story. Yes. That right there just pulls me in. I don't know if it's just different, but I'll go one more time back to the office real quick. The, the reason Jim and Dwight find themselves in this regard is that Jim really does not want to take his job that seriously. Like He wants to do all kinds of other things, and Dwight wants to take things very, very, very seriously. And so it's not like one is good and one is bad. But again, they have created a line between them where they exist on other sides of it. And just them trying to exist as their authentic selves next to each other becomes a problem for each other. And that's what it is in this announce booth. And I love, 
I love that nuance because this would be the ultimate. This is the good versus bad, evil versus no, it's not. If you look at it a different way, you know, for example, you have Vince McMahon, the so-called good guy, antagonizing Bobby Heenan all night long, as you just said, about not being a champion, not being afraid, losing. And Bobby Heenan says when Andre comes out, I noticed my surprise took your voice away. <laughs> that is – he's triumphing over an entire night of insults for him momentarily over Vince McMahon because it's not just, like, oh, this is good and evil, but it is one force and another that disagree always rising up above each other, one after the other. And every time I rise up above you, that means you're going to do something else to me and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Oh, man, it's so real and so small detail and rich. I can't get enough of that. If you can't get enough, I got one more for you because he also says to Vince, try to compare me to Elizabeth now, which is a yes. great callback to something we didn't even talk about, Vince McMahon praising Elizabeth as a manager over Bobby Heenan in the first match, which is, again, maddening to a guy like Bobby Heenan, who surely sees what we all see, that Elizabeth really does nothing but just stand there and look worried. Uh, he's out here doing all these things and having all these plans, so that's got to drive him crazy by any standard. Now coming out here with a brilliant tactical move, and yet also, in a way, You've got to think it feels a little like he's just imitating Elizabeth because he just ran it to the back yes. and bringing out one half of the WrestleMania three main events. So even in his triumph, he's got to be undercut a little bit. There's so much that goes into this. I love this. Yes, that's such a beautiful lair because Vince McMahon knows that Elizabeth is not close to the best manager in the company. He is lying and using her dishonestly to irritate Bobby Heenan, and he's doing it well because he sets Bobby Heenan off, and Bobby Heenan has this big surprise that he's been waiting all night to show, but lo and behold, the only way he can do it, as you said, is to imitate Elizabeth and go to the back and bring somebody out, which is exactly what she did, but he still is winning in that moment because nobody knew it was going to happen, but then also if you take it even another layer... Bobby Heenan, yes, says he's better than Elizabeth, but if Bobby Heenan going to the back and bringing somebody out is better than Elizabeth going to the back and bringing somebody out, and Elizabeth brought out Hulk Hogan, then we're back to the argument that the only way it could be better than that is to bring out the one man who is better than Hulk Hogan, the man who actually beat Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three, Andre the Giant. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I love everything about it. It is iconic in my mind for sure. And I love especially, there's, this goes to what we're talking about, about things being connected in this era as opposed to disconnected, because I think there are times in this company where you wouldn't have been allowed to reference that thing that happened a few matches ago with Elizabeth in this match. Like, it would have been, who's Elizabeth? Like, that's not part of this story. That's not like, that's segmented off into something else. But no, again, it's that big connectedness. It's all of these things going together, and that's why it works so well. Yes. Anything less than that, and I'm not there for it. It's that butterfly effect. If Andre the Giant takes a step in segment number four, you're going to feel it backward in step number one, segment number one. So don't give me that. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff if you care about the details. Andre the Giant also will grab Paul Wonderf by the trunk. So I think Wonderf's in the middle of the ring. Andre's on the floor, and then he brings him back with his arm all the way to the corner. <laughs> Bundy runs in, hits a splash, and King Kong Bundy is going to get the win, which, again, 
puts Bobby Heenan over Vince McMahon in this moment. Absolutely so. I was surprised that it happened, to be honest. I didn't think Bundy uh, was going to get a victory this late in his time here, but he does get a rare big win uh, at this point. And, uh, and it's all down to uh, Andre and to Heenan and this wonderful rogues gallery that we have at this time. I love it. It's the perfect use of an Andre who probably did not want to get in the ring very much, uh, only when it was really important. So sure, bring him out in the suit, let him stand at ringside, let him reach in, uh, almost not quite like our man El Gigante, and, mm-hmm. uh, and pull a man back to the corner to give his friend the victory. So there's a lot of great stuff happening in a small space here. Absolutely. Very rich storytelling. You're starting to see people pairing up because we are moving into the five on five next week with survivor series. So that's important. Mm, but I also want to say it never feels like, um, yes. we're just like putting, well, it's survivor series. So let's put some people together. No, they're being connected all year round. And then those connections can pay off further at survivor series. It's not, it's the cause and the effect is in the right order right here. That's exactly right. And yeah. it pays off too, I think, because again, much like Hulk Hogan, Survivor Series and Royal Rumble are just about to start up, so they don't have these forms that you can just fall into yearly at this moment. Yeah, yeah. Everything, they're, they're building it from the ground up at this time still, so that's you got to appreciate that. In one of the strangest moments I've seen in a long time, uh, the Hart Foundation is being interviewed. And like, that's our manager, and then they're talking about their opponents, the Young Stallions, they're pretty, they're innocent, blah, blah, blah. And Gene Oakland <laughs> just says, uh, you are a menace to the sport I love and drops the microphone and walks away. <laughs> he calls him unprofessional. Uh, your mileage may vary depending on how offended you were by uh, by them interfering in the savage honky-tonk man match. Yeah. And he says, if I was his boss, and Ben says, thank goodness you're not his boss. <laughs> <sighs> Good stuff. So we're in that last match when they assume everyone's asleep. Uh, although we will have Hogan Savage later, so maybe they'll wake up for that. Uh, it's the Young Stallions taking on the Hart Foundation, and you've got this moment where they don't have a manager, so could the titles change hands? Yeah, it's a nice uh, layer to this. Uh, I think they also mentioned the uh, Young Stallions got a non-title victory over the Hart yes. Foundation at some point, which is a nice touch, a trope that was not overused in this time, so it was more meaningful. Uh, the Young Stallions, if you don't know, is Paul Roma, and Jim Powers, um, they're a team of, uh, I mean, these two guys were pretty much just job guys that got put together and rose a little bit above that job guy station. Um, Paul Roma is a guy that we uh, maligned, I think, quite a bit as a horseman. But I will say, outside of uh, the horseman thing, where he was definitely in over his head, I kind of like Paul Roma. I like the Young Stallions. I like Pretty Wonderful. I like some of the stuff that he did. And uh, I think I think they have a fine match here. You know, it's not amazing, but it's, it's a solid tag team match. Is he in power and glory? Yeah, that too. So that's another point in his favor, I would say. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't like him. I didn't really like seeing these two, but it was definitely not really off anything about them. It was just off, like, those other feelings. Mm-hmm. So I will keep an open mind as we watch Paul Roma uh, make his moves through the WWF from time to time. Everyone gets a clean slate. We are in a different time, different angle. So you got to respect that. You got to do. Absolutely. Um, uh, this is the heart. Yeah, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, we get more of uh, Vince, like, he can't be stopped in this era because, again, he, he, they do a bit where he's, like, setting up Heenan. Like, Heenan thinks he's going to praise him, finally, and then he swerves it over to Elizabeth, so he, he yeah. still can't be stopped. Um, <laughs> he can't stop getting under Heenan's skin. So you That know, is a nice moment. They build that up together really well. <laughs> they do. They do. They're working together so well, and it's so organic it's so in the moment it's something you don't always see now because everything is already produced and you know people are in the headsets and i'm not even just talking about wwe although that's where i notice it the most but you, you get these kind of organic relationships um and it's a uh, it's a time when Vince McMahon, like i can't imagine like if you're a wrestler now and you want to talk to Vince McMahon because everything of Vince McMahon is like behind him all the time uh, but this is Bobby Heenan, who, like, he existed in wrestling before Vince McMahon. You know, he was successful before Vince McMahon. He can come in, and sure, like, he works for Vince McMahon, but he's going to challenge him, he's going to form his own relationship with him, uh, and it's going to be totally different. And we see that with Ventura, too. A lot of people willing to kind of challenge Vince McMahon on air to, like, form these little moments with him, and uh, I, I just appreciate that a lot. I think it's very good for the product. It is. It is. It's compelling. You know, and sometimes if you're not, if not, if the match is happening is not your favorite, you know, maybe there's a match happening in the booth that you can be more interested in. Right. <laughs> it's very <laughs> possible know. that that's what happened here. I'm just, I am, as hard as it is to believe, with the Hart Foundation definitely being top uh, 125 tag teams in the history of the business, I'm a little fatigued um, with them being on everything, so... I, they could slow down a little bit, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, I mean, they've yet to have a match that's really compelling that I have seen um, in our watching through here. So I, I think they'll get there eventually. But there's a lot of time where the Heart Foundation were just sort of all right, I think. Yeah. So. All right's a good word. <laughs> they keep their belts. That's not a surprise. No. I don't think. And we go to the back as we continue uh, the uniting of Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. They are with Mean Gene. Um, Hulk Hogan says, I was a little worried. It's all right, says Randy Savage. Uh, they had their hands out for almost the entire promo, about to shake hands again. And you get this feeling that these two cannot shake hands lightly because if they shake hands lightly, once they come together, the earth is going to shake underneath them and you're going to feel it at least. From 1987 all the way to 2020, so they keep their hands in an almost shape, shook position, but they're they're holding them to themselves as they begin to build out the name of this group. Um, Hulk Hogan quickly says, "I have to put this in here that Hulkamania is the greatest force in the universe." But I realized there's a whole nother universe out there, so that is absolutely some space element stuff, and I have to pat myself on the back there because preempting things by adding another element because what in the hell way do you define that another universe out there and again it was the wide-eyed yeah he's had some interactions with savage but he had never encountered uh the macho madness that way and when he encountered it another universe opened up there was a power like his existing somewhere else the power of the madness and the mania he says just blew my 24 inch guns which i don't know what the hell that means uh <laughs> didn't blow his mind it blew those 24 inch biceps and because they got to get the mention what a strange man hulk hogan plugging and plugging and plugging randy savage says uh 
another solar system. He is so high he won't be coming down for a long time. Uh, yes, indeed. And he says, reckless abandon is what I used to be. But Elizabeth opened my eyes into big man Hulk Hogan. He endorsed Macho Madness, and it gave me direction. That direction now is with the mega, yeah, the mega, yeah, the mega powers. He drops that name. It is done. They shake hands. I feel the power now. Hulk Hogan says, is it the stratosphere or the ionosphere? I don't know what they're talking about again. We're getting larger and larger, wider and wider, expansive, expansive, expansive. But what you need to know for practical purposes is that side of the line that we sometimes call the baby face line. Just link something up that is trouble for everybody in the WWF and eventually for themselves as well. Oh, absolutely so. That handshake, another iconic image, the uh, elaborate hesitation the holding of the hands out. Hogan wonders if they'll blow up the planet when they actually do shake hands. I'm guessing not because you shook hands in the ring and nothing exploded, yeah. <laughs> but come on. <laughs> um, you got to appreciate this because Savage is definitely one of the few people who has enough aura to stand next to Hogan at this time. He's got to be on the short list. What's the short list? It's Hogan, obviously, and then it's like Andre, Piper, Savage, Maybe DiBiase. We'll see when we get to him. And that's the short list of people. Warrior. Okay, of course. Um, they're definitely opening the door for the warrior here. I think he might have come from that other universe. Um, yeah. And we'll be glad yeah. when he goes back, personally. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a short list of people who can really stand next to Hogan at this time. But Savage is on that list. And they did start something here that will be so beneficial, so huge to both of them. And also, ultimately, detrimental, both in and out of KFOB at times. Uh, this is a relationship that will hugely affect both men's careers, and uh, we're going to have a lot to say about it. For the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. So, whether that handshake did or did not blow up a lot of things is, is I guess, a question that we you know can be answered in many contexts. Very it is a consequential handshake, and these men... These Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan, these universe, you're right, they opened up a universe that the Ultimate Warrior perhaps comes from, and if not, you know, off of another universe, because lo and behold, you can come from other universes now, and I will wait till WrestleMania 4 to dive into this, but the guts, I think, to book something like this, I'll get into it, WrestleMania 4, but man, I wouldn't want to be the booker coming out of WrestleMania 3, who has to figure out where do we go next. Mm, yeah. Great point. Man, there's something about, like, the first six WrestleManias. Like, they, yes, yes. Yeah, just, yes. they were all so enormous. Like, they all move in this great sequential line. And then you think start to kind of, like, go more up and down. We'll see some great highs, some great lows. Um, but, yeah, those first six, like, they, they, they could be in a series, like, in a box set. And, like, this this is the essential of this period. So there's something about it. It is this, is, that, that, Oh my God, that is so pinpoint accurate because if WrestleMania one wags its tail, uh, all the way you feel, you feel the vibration all the way up to WrestleMania six mm. and then WrestleMania seven, eight, nine, they all kind of just fracture off into their, we are an independent thing that matters because of WrestleMania, but it's not all the same body moving together. This is, how you do it 
and long-term storytelling, the small details, but there is a running connection for six years with these WrestleManias. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. Beautiful stuff, man. And then Bobby Heenan is so good. Bobby Heenan is so good. He instantly off of the Mega Powers uh, coming together. He says the Mega Powers better get me- uh, better get Medicare if they uh, run into Bobby Heenan and the family. <laughs> oh man! Uh, and you gotta you gotta love that Bobby Heenan. You really believe he could have just thought of that in the moment? Like maybe yes. he planned it ahead, but he, his wit is sharp enough that you can really think. Oh, maybe he just fired that one off. <laughs> It's so good, whether it was planned or whether it was in the moment, doesn't matter. So good. And it's also behind the joke. It's kind of this realization. Like, the first thing that, that this means something for beyond the mega powers themselves is Bobby Heenan's family. Mm. Like, this is not good news for that group. And like, you better go ahead and start spinning it because there's going to be some worried people in the back. Yes, we saw Andre and, and Bundy together, and that was impressive. But equally so, we've now seen Hulk Hogan and, uh, and Randy Savage form a team with a name and a bond together. So s- something's changing right now. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that reverberation has got to be felt all through the WWF, uh, particularly to any heels that want to target one man or the other, because they've got to be thinking, man, we could hardly handle one of these guys, and now we got both. Like, how are we possibly going to compete with that? Well, we're going to find out. It has to do with a lot of money and a lot of uh, size, and uh, that's going to be the story yeah. that takes us to the first SummerSlam. It is. The, the the weapons are bigger. They're more elaborate. They're more dangerous. It's a, it's so strange. Yes, it was five months ago, the last show we did, but just five months ago, Randy Savage was talking to himself in a way that didn't quite make sense to what he had known, what he had known. and now he is shaking the hand of Hulk Hogan, coming together with Hulk Hogan. And this was not something that you could predict. And yes, everybody in the business has to figure out what in the world does this mean for me? Absolutely. And to say nothing of the fact that uh, in 1986, just a year ago, Randy Savage was crushing people's larynxes. So what does that mean then for enemies of Hulk Hogan or enemies of Randy Savage? Like, he may have turned face, but, like, this is a very dangerous, unpredictable man. He's he's in another universe, and he's the most powerful force there. So what are you going to do about that? And who was it? Bobby Heenan and Hercules who had to run in with Savage. Sure, sure, yeah. Somebody, I I can't remember who, and I'm sorry, but somebody in our thread talked about how... As Hercules was leaving, he kind of like flicked some sweat yes. at Savage and Bobby Heenan kind of like shooed him away from that. And, you know, it's easy to understand why. Like, you don't want to be in the way of Savage if you don't yeah. have to be. And that's what I was just thinking right then is that it's almost like, oh, man, we just dodged a bullet. But but no, five months later, that thing's coming back around. And it is so consequential. And we are, again, moving into Survivor Series, which is five on five, Royal Rumble, which is a backward battle royal, you know, WrestleMania, which is larger than life. And folks are coming together, compounding, growing. And out of that, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And I think it never really gets better in an era like this. And that's part of the reason we keep watching. Mm. So, man, yeah. it's always up in the air. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
<sighs> yep, the only other thing on this show, we have the debut of the music video for <laughs> Pile Driver. Uh, I don't know how much we want to say about that, but uh, some interesting faces in this. We see Bam Bam Bigelow in the video. He is on yeah. the scene. Uh, superstar Billy Graham making a very short-lived comeback. Uh, we will hear of him but not see him, I believe. Um, Arnold Scaland, if that's a name you know, is uh, the, the foreman of this unlikely work crew and uh, is trapped in a porta potty at the end. So, um, Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, Vince McMahon uh, sitting, sitting around with the boys. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I did not know this existed. It was my first time seeing it. Coco Beware. And I can't remember because I'm speaking off the top of my head, but I think in this video, Pile Driver. The one wrestling hold I think that we prominently see is a brain buster, which tells you about how much the wrestling actually matters. Uh, it's otherworldly, you know. Depending on your taste, it might, you know, it is what it is. But check it out just for the sake of history. Coco, beware again. We'll get to it when we see him. But man, between the video, between his wrestling, between high energy. Coco Beware could have done a lot more than he got to do in the sport. I love Coco Beware. I'm a big fan of the guy. My eyes were open when I watched a lot of the stuff he did. Um, yeah, people, I, I'm saying that his main talking point is like, it's a joke that he's in the Hall of Fame. And I guess, you know, one way or another, you, you might think that that's true. But if you actually check out Coco Beware, you will see some great stuff. You will definitely see a guy who could have and arguably should have. Yeah. Uh, done a lot more than he was allowed to do. Absolutely. So yeah, they end with that video again, though, showing you uh, we are uh, we are going to be more than what wrestling has been known as. So we end on that uh, another Saturday night's main event. I am, as I, I think I've alluded to several times now, I am nervous, curious, and excited to call the first Survivor Series, Miss Fan. Oh yeah, and. Uh, with good reason, but I think it's all going to pay off. It's going to be very great. I remember this being a very fun show. I'm looking forward to watching it again. I'm um, going to see a lot of big names on this show, like we talked about. We've got uh, the Heenan family team. will be the debut of Rick Rude on the series. Andre, King Kong, Bundy, uh, Butch Reed, one-man gang on that team. And on Hogan's team, we've got Bam Bam Bigelow making his debut on the series. Ken Patera, he is back in action. Paul Orndorff, Don Morocco, turned face. Hulk Hogan, there's a lot. And you've got the 10 tag team elimination match. you got the women getting involved for the first time in a while. Uh, you, there's just a ton of really fun stuff on this show. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Absolutely. I don't know if this is true. Someone in the comment section on YouTube said that, little known fact, uh, Don Morocco appearing in that uh, pile driver video was his first like appearance as a face in the co in the company. <laughs> I wonder. I, I don't know yeah. for sure if that's true or not. I know he uh, split off from Bob Orton. Uh, they had a tag team for a little while. Mm -hmm. He turned face out of that. And uh, I think, if I'm remembering right, uh, Don Morocco was not actually scheduled to be part of Survivor Series, but uh, superstar Billy Graham, his mm -hmm. comeback did not last very long. Obviously, he was not really in good enough shape to keep it going, so they slotted him in at the last minute, so so we will see that, and uh, maybe some other interesting substitutions at Survivor Series. These are the um, high-privileged moments of getting to embed yourself so deeply in this narrative that you get to call and analyze and experience 
the first Survivor Series, the first Royal Rumble, so on and so forth. I am not going to take this lightly. I will dive in this week uh, to all these colors, to all these characters, to all these storylines, and we will bring you the very best uh, of Survivor Series, the first one and what it means in WWF lore. Absolutely. And yeah, not very long after that, we do have the first Royal Rumble as well. And uh, even though we know already there's one big downside with that, uh, still, still, I'm excited for it because I love the Royal Rumble. And I think, uh, yeah, talking about the first incarnations, how they were formed before they had a form, before they had a structure, uh, is still very, very fun and very interesting. Yeah, I might need folks in the forums when we get closer to talk me up. <laughs> on that Royal Rumble because yeah I want to be excited about that and eventually I think I will be but they're the winner of the Royal Rumble which is strange they 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 actually run it on house shows and I think someone else wins it but when we get to the one that we'll be calling uh, we'll see we'll see who wins it it's not Hulk Hogan folks <laughs> it's not Hulk Hogan no um yeah we'll see we'll wait and see uh, I'm excited because um we've got uh We've got the Islanders on that show. We've got Ricky Steamboat versus Rick Rude. We've got uh, mm. the Women's Tag Team Championship, which is a very interesting saga, in my opinion. So in addition to the Royal Rumble, we're going to see some good stuff on that show. Man, that's going to be interesting. I was introduced uh, to Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude in that WCW feed. So ah, yes. that's <laughs> so compelling that, that, that we're going to get to see them in 1988. Uh, wow. Yep, some some free historic rude and steamboat conflict. Play some oh, seeds man. there as well. All right, I think that's all we've got for today. Anything else you want to talk about before we take it home here? That's it for me. All right, thanks a lot for listening. I am on Twitter. I'm at Spectral Gent. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Anything about the show or anything else? Also, uh, WrestlingHeadlines.com and LPForums.com. I think we're doing a bit of a reset on the forum at the moment, but you should be able to come join that conversation very soon, if not immediately. So do check it out, LOPforums.com. Also, all the other great podcasts on LOP Radio. A lot of great stuff that you can listen to as you are trapped at home like all of us, and uh, it'll just it'll entertain your whole day away. So please enjoy that. That is all we've got. We'll be back with the very first survivor series until that time mystic take us home absolutely until next time don't let the legacy be dictated to you rewatch revisit rewrite i saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside you know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered
discovered creature I've never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features keep telling myself nothing to fear it's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya he's the one that's scared it's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya he's the one that's scared Discover